So when I saw Nicholas Gisquier revealed, if you will, at Balenciaga, I knew and I felt witnessing the emergence of something special. And it was similar to when I was going to my local bagel shop. It was early in the morning and there was a woman standing there. She was a slim woman, not particularly tall. She might have been about five, six. She was wearing a pink dress, slingback roach toe shoes with a leopard coat. And she was just standing there, this black woman with short hair, a local bagel shop. Just, I don't know what she was doing there. But to me, that is like a full circle fashion moment because they're one in the same thing of what fashion can do and what it is. And for me, it's like you can do a straight through line from that woman in this ordinary place one morning out of the blue to the most rarefied like Parisian runway with one of the most talented designers working today with all the resources at his disposal. That's why we love fashion. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to a Fashion Moment podcast. Whether you're a fashion lover or just fashion curious, welcome. I literally love bringing you one-on-one interviews week after week with your fashion favorites. I get inspired every time, and I hope you do too. This podcast is not sponsored, and all of us here are freely giving our time because we all believe in this, and we love it. I would love to continue this great work and bring you even more content, exclusive features, and live events in the years ahead. If you love the podcast or just want to support, buy me a coffee. Yes, a coffee. You can visit buymeacoffee.com slash a fashion moment to become a fashion friend for one coffee a month, $5, or click the support tab to grab any amount you like. Again, that's buymeacoffee.com slash a fashion moment. Thank you for supporting us. Now on to the show. Constance C.R. White is a fashion icon. And if you don't know, now you know. Because her list of accomplishments and impact on the fashion industry are endless, especially for people of color. I remember the moment when she joined eBay as a style director, brand consultant, and spokeswoman back in 2003. I was floored because at the time, Constance was one of the few fashion executives that I had personally witnessed operating in such a public, predominantly white and prestigious space, rocking natural hair, and that was before the natural hair movement was in full swing. She is the epitome of fashion goals, using her God-given talent of the spoken and written word to translate fashion trends and cultural happenings across the globe. Constance studied journalism at New York University and received her MBA from Northwestern University. She would later become a reporter at the New York Times, a style director at eBay, and the editor-in-chief at Essence Magazine, just to name a few of the many roles that she held throughout her career. She is the author of How to Slay and Style Noir, and she is also the editor of the hit book from the editors of Essence, Salute to Michelle Obama. Constance has also been named twice as one of the top 50 people in fashion by the New York Daily News. I was absolutely thrilled to be able to chat with Constance. I mean, one of my personal fashion heroes. And, you know, just wanted to check out what she's been up to and also to talk about her illustrious career. Enjoy. Thank you for being on a fashion moment. 
I love to just start at the beginning, um, you know, from the very beginning. So like, you know, where are you from and like, what was it like growing up there? Okay. So I, I consider myself sort of, um, (laughs) tri-national, if you will, which is I was born in England. Mm -hmm. I grew up between England and Jamaica, where my parents are from. And a little bit um, spending the end of my childhood, late teens, if you will, in America, in Miami. So I, I feel very um, influenced by all three mm-hmm. in, in different ways. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate different things about each place. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Like I had no idea that you were from like all over. <laughs> I, I know. Right. You know, I don't really talk about, I understand that to be true because I don't really talk about my personal life much. I am very focused, you know, and, and what people are interested in knowing and where, you know, where I'm sharing or asked to share some information or opinions. It tends to be um, professionally based. Yes. And I tend to stick to that. And maybe that is a little of my English Jamaican part of my upbringing where I think things are a bit more formal than they are in America in a way. So I'm very comfortable, like sort of sticking to the script. (laughs) Like, okay, you're here. We wanted to talk to you about something personal yeah you know and and you're we want to talk to you about something professional and I tend to be more gung-ho and totally comfortable talking about the professional absolutely (laughs) no that that totally makes sense I mean especially just you know as a journalist and and you know coming you know, building your career when you did at, at, you know, at that time and, and still continue to do, I mean, there's just so much there and just having that sort of objective point of view so that Mm -hmm. no one could ever say, Oh, Oh, but wait you. And it's like, no, no. And (laughs) and, you know, that's the really good point that you make Kristen. Cause I think too, I would say the journalism training and immersion over the years may have something to do with that too, because I'm used to asking the questions. That's right. right. So I'm used to putting a spotlight on someone else. I want to know about them. I want to know their story and I'm not used to having the spotlight put on me. Well, you know what, Constance, I think you're overdue for another book. I think, I think we need a book on your life. Like a full, <laughs> a full blown memoir. It's all y'all who are listening. If you're in publishing, hit Constance up because we need, we need the full story. We need the full story here. We need the full thing. And you know, um, I'm going to ask something really petty because you know you mentioned London and, and Jamaica. So I'm, I got to ask: Is it khaki yes. or cocky? Is like, it what? Is it khaki pants or cocky pants? I'm not following. Is it? Co- well, what know, are we so, talking about? So, and at Howard, there yeah. we had a full blown conversation on like uh-huh. they're like you Americans say khaki pants, and it's really oh, khaki oh, oh, pants. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, what? They're like, it's not khaki, it's cocky. And I was like, cocky. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> I get you. I get you. So I gotta ask you, Constance, which one is it? <laughs> I would say it's right up there with, are you for Eastern Germany or Western Germany? Uh, (laughs) That makes sense. Well, you know what it is? I would say it's somewhere in between when the, when those Jamaicans and Jamaican Jamaicans get to Howard, their accents change a little. Yeah. And when, (laughs) when and when the American native American, um, Howard students, you know, mix it up with mm-hmm. Jamaican friends. Their <laughs> accents change a little, so it's somewhere in between, right? Like that makes me feel better. Thank you, Constance. Yes, <laughs> and coming from you know, it's coming from that place of you know where oh, those are common school uniforms. Yeah, you know, part of the 
common school uniform look <laughs> in Jamaica yeah. worn. It's somewhere between the the khaki and the khaki, right? Khaki. Oh, you kind of have to yes. change your inflection <laughs> to get it. Khaki pants. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Constance. That's been like on my heart for so long now. So you know, I, I have to ask you what is what is one of your like earliest fashion memories? Like it could be something growing up, or or just like you a know, moment where you're like, "Ooh, this is great." Mm-hmm. One, I'm going to give you two, if I may. One is seeing the films with you know what so-called black exploitation films which i ah. i say with with reverence and love calling them mm-hmm. that because of course now some people are like well let's not call them that anymore which i totally understand so whatever yeah. we do call them uh, you know seeing those movies and seeing gorgeous black women and gorgeous black men swaggering around in them Tamara Dobson in her gorgeous, you know, scarves and bell-bottom pants and is indelible. And of course, Pam Greer, who I I could not believe, I mean, talk about fabulous opportunities that one would put in a memoir is I couldn't believe the day that I met Pam Greer, (gasps) which I did. Yes, exactly. Right. That was me too. Like, (gasps) oh my God. I'm meeting Pam Greer. Oh my God. You know, so so that's one. That's like one of my earliest memories is, you know, and when you see those things, they they are indelible and the beauty and the style and the swagger, amazing. And and then another one that I think is really um more personal in a way, though mm-hmm. isn't it isn't, but sort of more in the in the weeds, if you will, is I remember meeting a teacher who took the fabric of a school uniform. She was American and she took the fabric of a school uniform and fashioned it into a, an African style, you know, wrap. Wow. The shapes that, that are, you know, that are, are characteristic of Afrocentric style, of native African-American wow. style, you know, like a wrapped skirt yeah. and a sort of dashiki shaped, you know, top. Wow. And that always stayed with me. I was like, oh my God, that is fashion. <laughs> that is fashion. <laughs> she remixed it. She was like, here you go. I love it. Right, I love it. Here you go. <laughs> so, you know, like what inspired you to study journalism. And I mean, you went to New York University. I was going through your bio like, oh my God, like Constance was not playing around with academics. I, I, I was not, <laughs> not playing around because, you know, we got to get educated. That's right. That's right. Get that degree, y'all. So like, why journalism? Like, was it just something on your heart or like, how'd it happen? Um, journalism happened because it's a good question because it's a, it would be a good question anyway, but good for me because it was sort of a specific thing that did happen with me is I had an, an early interest in acting and directing mm. and a little bit of interest in writing. It was more that my interest was really, when it came to writing was really more reading Reading is one of my favorite things to do to this day. Just, I just love a good book. Yes. And love, you know, well-written article and so on. So I, I had this thought and then, and, and a desire and started pursuing it. And then I thought, you know what, this is going to be really competitive. This is going to be really like sort of a one in a million shot um, to make my way to California, to LA, to Hollywood, which it was clear to me is what I needed to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and along the way, um, while I was in college, I had a daughter, my lovely daughter who has so enriched my life. I love it. And I thought, you know what? Well, now it's a one in a million and I'm a mother, and I'm in New York, so I think I'm going to sort of adjust the dream a bit. 
right? Uh-huh. To something that I thought was a little more reachable at the moment and could pay some rent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's real talk. <laughs> that exactly. So it really became, um, you know, making that choice and then saying, well, you know what, let me study the journalism and let me think about staying in New York. And, and it was sort of more at that point, a thought for broadcast journalism, which kind of seemed more of a smooth segue, right. From directing acting to broadcast journalism. Yeah. In some senses, right. In the performative way and so on, it was more of a, and even the storytelling to a certain extent. And then, you know, once I finished school, it it just became, and I wasn't particularly good at behind the camera mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, okay, this is, you know, I might get an A or a B plus in writing, in editing, in theory of communication, but, oh, you know, the studio internship course, it was like a C or a D. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. is this button I have to push here? Like, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I blew up the studio. <laughs> oh, I know. It's it's hard. It's like, it's very intricate. It All is. At least I know it was for me. You know, people were good at More power to that. Which is to say, I was probably never going to be a director. Yeah. I love it. You got to know your ministry, so you know. You have to know your ministry. <laughs> and as it turned out, you know, I ended up loving writing and loving fashion wow. <laughs> and, and wow. I sort of dabbled a bit in music as well for a little bit I wrote a bit of music and oh, wrote wow. about it rather not wrote music well, oh, I, I, like, I did write music but you wouldn't want to hear any of it but anyway <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that let me find out let me find out an EP is gonna drop constant I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow Someone, Megan the Stallion is picking it up as we speak like yeah <laughs> like a hundred years ago I got it it is dope I have to record you this you never know you never know you know it's it's crazy I love the fact that you brought up you know but like reading the joy of reading and and like long you enjoy it journal- oh my god I live I live for a great book yeah. and I also live for long form journalism like I live for those long cover stories that people have been working on oh, forever and I've had colleagues like you know like my my fellow millennials who are just like oh girl that's too long and I'm like excuse me <laughs> but you know what I was so thrilled to see where things have shifted you know a few years ago they discovered that long form, there is a, there is an audience for long form, you know, yeah. after we went crazy about short form and like, this needs to be 120 words tops. Yeah. <laughs> like this it's is wild. what it is. <laughs> and just like with most things in the in- internet, you know, we swing the pendulum so far over to like, this is over, this is done. And this is the new it. Yeah. And it turns out, no, it's not. Number one, this pendulum needs to go a bit back to the middle to balance things out. And number two, that thing that you left behind, there's actually a real market there for it. Yes. yes. Whether that market is, you know, a long tail, speaking of long, or it's a niche or whatever it is, it exists. So I remember when the first female editor of the New York Times, executive editor, left, you know, amid the drama that, you just sort of, I feel like it's just something that fashion is going through and not fashion or media is going through and yeah. with yeah. digital, a lot of people and thing and companies are going through now where, you know, there's some drama about yeah. this or that an exit or something that happens at the company. So in any event, she left, um, you might recall, but the thing I remember is that when she resurfaced and talked about all the challenges she had faced one of the things that she had decided to do was to go into long form establish a website wow which had long form journalism i love it yeah i'm so here so, for it 
absolutely. Me too. I think I'm still work. Not think. I know I am. Well, the reason I said <laughs> think as it I'm not <laughs> is because you'll hear in five seconds because what? So I'm still working on a long form piece. Yay! Because- <laughs> I'm ready. Congratulations. Oh, oh no pressure. No, gonna pick like, it I up. have to publish it. I have to finish it. I've been working on it since July about the Pierre Moss show. <gasps> your show. And I kind of went... Should I finish it? Maybe I'll finish it next year. <laughs> I am so excited. I can't wait to read this. Thank you. That's encouragement. It's long. I'm ready. I'm so ready. I mean, there were so many different like feelings about that show. Like, oh my God. So many. Right? So many. I there are lots of like, it. you know? Yes. But- at one point I split the story in two. I actually have wow. two separate stories right now about it. And one is wow. sort of a short form, quick you know, kind of like um, pop, very pop culture take. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is, you know, true essay narrative about the show. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it. Is it. Long form. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, as, especially for a black designer, you know, to be showing mm-hmm. as, you know, like a couturier, it's like, this is couture. Right. And so it's kind of like what defines couture and how people perceive it. You know, some are like, yes. And then others are like, what is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Get me fill in the well, blank. Where's Duro You know, like people, you know, so there were, it, it seemed like there were a lot of different feelings about that show. So I'm super excited to read that piece. Can't wait. Thank you for, thank you for the sneak peek on that. So, you know, you decide to, um, go to the New York times. Like, how did you land that role as a style reporter? Like, like that, I mean, especially at that time, like that, that was like a coveted spot. Yes, it was amazing. It was a dream come true. It really was. Um, The New York times, when I went to the New York times, it was the second time they had had an opening that I thought I was qualified for. It was the same job, kind of, pretty much, right? With a few differences, you know, because jobs evolve after time, same position. And, um, oh, so here's what happened. I was at L and had always wanted to, I had done an internship years before at the New York Times, Oh, wow. Either while I was in college or right after I finished college. Wow. And I applied at some point when I was working at Women's Wear Daily. Mm -hmm. I applied with nothing but faith and chutzpah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, didn't even, I don't even know if they saw my resume. (laughs) It was one of those applications like, (laughs) yeah. Like, yes, we put you in the circular file on the floor. Yes, your resume is right there. Wow. <laughs> Who knows? You know, it was one of those, like, a re- real reach. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I could do something. But I realized, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be in, you know, anyone's top 10 or even top 20. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was that. Didn't Wasn't sitting there waiting for a callback or anything. And a few years later... I was now at L magazine and a vacancy opened up and, you know, watch just like anyone else, you know, I kept in fashion and especially mm-hmm. if you were a journalist, but I'm sure all the, everyone in fashion was looking at that spot because if you're a designer, if you're the marketing director, if you're president of any company worth its salt, especially then, Things may have changed a bit now, but you have your eye on two things in media. Women's Wear Daily and Who's Covering Fashion at the New York Times. I love it. So, you know, everyone's like keeping an eye on it. Names have been, you know, thrown out there. I have my eye on it, you know, waiting to see what's going to happen. And, you know, very like, oh, if only, but I was still, (laughs) you know, I was loving my job. I was, you know, appreciative of my job at liking, not loving, liking, Mm -hmm. let's be, let's be specific here. Liking my job at L and definitely appreciating it. I'm very busy and very, um, very 
enriched, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, just kind of have my eye on it. So I went to, I went to Paris to cover the shows as, you know, and I never forget this. I'm at a show. I have to write this down before I forget what show I was at and all that. (laughs) But I was, (laughs) I was at a show and um, Carrie Donovan comes over to me. Oh my God. Carrie Donovan was the um, legendary, iconic, all of that editor, fashion editor at the New York Times Magazine. And, and the New York Times. She also actually had a column as well. At oh, wow. I didn't know in that. In the paper. And she was, you know, one of those grand dames, right? Mm-hmm. Of fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, quite eccentric. Came up during the real heyday of eccentric fashion editors. And yes. very powerful fa- fashion editors and the whole bit. She'd wear turban. She Old Navy. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember her? Old Navy actually put her in an ad. That's how iconic she was. Wait, I don't remember the, her old navy ad. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yes, you will love it. Look oh it up goodness. with the round, thick frame glasses and and so on. Yeah. So Carrie Donovan comes over to me and says, Oh, why was she saying? Oh, it's because I haven't told this story in a long time, so I to remember it clearly okay so carrie donovan here's a scene paris fashion shows i'm you know steeped in like oh my god i have a deadline that's oh all, you know it's all you think about when you're covering this of shows course. for the time for the oh wait i'm saying for the times not for the times i said l but still mm-hmm. had deadlines but they weren't as crazy as at the time so i'm at l constant focus so carrie donovan comes over and she says are you through the glasses, right? Yes. Through the glasses. She may or may not have been wearing one of her turbans <laughs> with a peak of the blonde hair coming out. I love it so much. Are you happy at L? <gasps> <laughs> and, and I look at her you know, sort of quizzically like, huh? Like, it's like a trick question. Like, no, right? No, I don't say anything, right? For quite Absolutely a not. As, exactly, as you probably would not either. Like, <laughs> and she's staring at me through the glasses. And I say, oh I goodness. literally, Kristen, say nothing. Because oh I don't God. know what to say. I'm like, no, is you there can't. a right or wrong answer you can't. to this? What is, what yeah. is this? And she says, into my silence, because if you're not... <laughs> <laughs> and that's how she talks, right? Yeah, they have like edicts. They have, like, edicts. They have this way of edicts, pink. She says, because if you are not, Claudia Payne wants to talk to you. At that point, Kristen, I knew exactly what she was talking about. Say no more. Oh my God. I don't think I can cover this show anymore. I have to leave right now. And I have to get to my hotel room and make a phone call. Oh my God. Chill. <laughs> I knew exactly what she was talking about. Because everyone was, you know, had their eyes on that position. Like, what's gonna happen? Oh there? my god. Who's gonna end up in that chair? Because it's such a powerful position. So the minute so Claudia Payne had been was an incredible editor mm. at the New York Times, who had been at the New York Times for over a decade and wow. had covered had been in charge or deputy or whatever, had worked in a number of departments. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a fashion person. Mm. But the New York Times had made news when they appointed her head of all the fashion for the New York Times. Wow. So um, someone called her, it might have been Women's Wear who coined the term the Sarina of fashion. I love that. Called. I love it so much. Yeah, so it was like, so dramatic. So dramatic. You know, she started showing up at the front. She was like this itty bitty little thing with blonde bangs and yes, yes, bright blue eyes and heavy black eyeliner and only wore designer clothes. If she was five feet, she was a lot. And she had an intellect like you wouldn't believe, like a combination wow. of, you know, Michelle Obama and 
Madame Curie or something. Wow. Like really smart. And she stunned me one day. This is just a quick aside, but she stunned me one day by telling me she had never completed college. What? Which is also, you know, facts, word to people. I'm a big believer in going to college. Yeah. But I'm also saying, listen, if you, for whatever reason, don't make it to college, which I very much hope and encourage you to do everything you can to do so. But if you don't, especially speaking, you know, for us as um, black people, you know, I just want to share that because she'd never made it to college, but she's one of the smartest people I had ever met. And, and actually I asked her like, what, like, how come? Yeah. How can you be like, you know, this American woman who never went to college? Like what? Uh You know, you live in the city and so on. And she said because of her Jewish parents, Mm. there was something there where they favored the boys in her family or males were a priority to go to school. I I felt like I was reading a book like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like, isn't that something out of a book? Wow. But, um, you know, it's just an interesting aside. But, you know, and so the rest is history. I, I called her immediately. She wow. was in New York and she said um, she happened to be in New York because she also on occasion would go to the shows too with um, my, one of my colleagues at the time was the incredible Amy Spindler. Wow. And I haven't heard she, that name in a minute. <laughs> right. And Claudia asked me to, you know, we talked on the phone mm-hmm. and I told her what Carrie said and she said, okay. Um, Amy is there. Mm-hmm. Have you seen her? I said, yeah, of course I've seen her. And she said, okay, I needed to talk to Amy. So, you know, it's wild. Rest. Yeah. That was the history. The rest is history. As they say, um, your stories, I'm just dying again. This, you know, this could be like chapter, chapter two, chapter <laughs> three chapter. of the book. You know, we can start mapping this out. I'm so excited. I, <laughs> I'll be calling you as my editor. I'll be calling you as my editor. Cause oh some, some of the things, um, I think too, sometimes we don't realize, I think this is probably true for a lot of people who have to do a lot of navel gazing or you you know, if you've been in an industry for a while, it's like you're in a bubble. Mm. So you don't realize, but to speak of fashion in particular, a lot of times you don't realize how interesting or valuable as the case may be an experience that you have is yeah, because you're sort of in this bubble, right? And how, how odd. A makeup artist told me one time that who had been in the business for decades and decades. And she said, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like fashion people are the, how did she put it? Like they have the biggest, like we have the biggest, like outsized egos, (laughs) but yet, (laughs) but yet the industry exists on the head of a pin. (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) Of course, wow. she was exaggerating. No, I but that—that's a great, like, yeah. That, that, that makes total life. sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. I'm like, <laughs> I just, it, it's interesting, you know, the whole ego thing. I just, I've always, I've just always been in like wonder of 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 the fashion industry and you know even what you know obviously there are people who have the egos and the attitudes but it's just you know I look at it as like a family you know you have your cousins who you know may have an attitude here and there but like we're all right. in the same place like you know we're not going anywhere like people just change jobs and it's just like oh hey girl what's going on are you oh, over right, it right. Cool. I love that <laughs> you over it yeah okay like you know yeah. it's all good and, and don't forget Kristen right and girl remember don't, don't do that don't do that right I, now remember I knew you when you were six don't be that way I remember don't when you were an way. intern like don't even <laughs> it happens all the time but we are just one big family so I have to ask you this I mean first of all L women's wear daily like those are those are some major like that is a big deal Constance like you know, to be working at those places, like even before your time uh, at the New York Times, like 
that's major. Like, was it, was it, were, did people recognize like your talent or, or did you like, did you know someone who knew someone or, you know, were they scouting at NYU? Like, where's the talent? <laughs> like, you know, were you wearing a fabulous Halston or something oh, well, like, one day? And they were like, oh, who's that? Like, yes. <laughs> like, how, like, how did that happen? And, and I mean, I'm there weren't right. a lot of black folks there, I, I would assume at that time. Well, I'm glad you've asked some really interesting, important questions. Yeah, if I ever write a memoir, you have to be my editor. Yeah, I mean, I am just so curious. <laughs> like, I am just like I am living for this this information because I I think that you know sometimes, especially folks like you who are just like constantly on the move, like making news, like you know changing lives, you know being an icon. You know, I'm just like, do you re- like do you realize like like how like impactful literally everything in your life has been like just so many people and just the, the just existing in that space and, and, and having the, the um, dedication to excellence and being who you are and the authenticity, oh, like it's you. just, it's, 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 it's wonderful. So I, you know, you always have to give. I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate you, you know, you think it's wonderful and that it's in the sense of that it, it inspires. And it's others. not easy. It's hard. Like I can only imagine like, you know, not, not everyone is progressive, you know, during those times. I, I mean, there, there were some, but not all, you know, not a lot oh, of people. Right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, let's see where to begin. Well, let me start with tell you a little about women's wear. Yes. The, it's major. So, and a few of the questions you asked about women's wear. So I think it's important to know that I started at women's wear. I didn't know anybody, mm. but I started at women's wear because Fairchild publications had a program where they would bring in first it was three, then it was mm. one minority quote-unquote oh wow um interns or fellowships or I forget what they actually called it in terms of it was an internship because it was for a year wow amazing and I think that's important to know because we hear a lot about you know affirmative action you know people who don't agree with it um now we're in Black Lives Matter And how do we level the playing field? What are the programs that will, for me, the concern right now is, as it is for many people, but for me especially, it's the concern of sustainability, right? Yes. And I don't mean environmental type of sustainability. Yes. But right, social and for Black people and the moves, the wonderful moves that are being made now, are they going to be sustainable? And how do we make them sustainable? Um, so speaking about, particularly right now, we're speaking of the professional sphere. How do we make that sustainable? So I think it's important. I can say from experience, you know, having benefited from it myself and having watched people around me get opportunities and not get opportunities, Yeah, that that is one proven way. And, you know, people, some people, like to say it shouldn't happen, but it works. And why shouldn't it happen? One of the the great things that are also being put out there amidst the movement of Black Lives Matter too is, you know, stop fronting. Everybody, every group gets some kind of affirmative action. All this yes. noise you've been making for decades about people who have achieved in college and achieved and gotten into college we now know a lot more about Jared Kushner, anyone? Yeah. Got a millionaire father, maybe, who can write your way into Harvard. Yeah. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the list. Wow. Legacy admissions, anybody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so the administrators know what time it is. And you know, it's for the public to acknowledge also what time it is. Yeah, and what Black people have long known, and and white people, you know, have have not. Some white people actually truly don't know, right? Yeah, that is true. Elite mm-hmm. circles, but just as many do know, and so and speak out of both sides of their mouths. So, 
you know, the, uh, I think that's an important point. So yeah, I, I had no idea they, they had that program. That's like really yeah, they, they don't have it know. anymore. Wow. Right? I would. I think maybe like two or three people came after me, but they, uh-huh. you know, dissolved it afterwards. Um, Fairchild, but Fairchild because of that program, not solely because of it, but certainly uh-huh. because of it. Fairchild had a fair number, comparatively speaking, of black people working there. Wow. I am happy to say, and I can be, you know, attest to that. Amazing. Wow. Because I came out of Fairchild, Monique Greenwood, who is not a Oh my name. goodness. Yes. Do you know that name? Oh my oh God. God. She, wasn't she one of the um, editors in chief at Essence at one point? Yes, she was. Yeah. And she has the um, bed and breakfast too, right? Yes, she does. And that's just what I was going to say. She came out with the book. I read it back in the day. Yes. Yes. Yes, she was a mentor to me, was a mentor to me, as you said, was editor-in-chief at at, um, Essence for a while, the founding, was the editor, top editor at DNR, was the founding editor at Children's Business, and and therefore generally was a senior editor at Fairchild, Black woman graduate of Howard University. H-U, I know. (laughs) Mm-hmm. and mentored Love many it. of us I was just one who she mentored wow. many of us she you know fortunately and unfortunately left the media business and yeah. then started as you said this equally incredible career it's amazing yeah there's one in DC amazing. guys go check it out it's nice <laughs> yes yes so wow. so you know Monique was there when I was there at Fairchild um it's wild Yolanda wow. Galt Haveness who's become a successful writer and also went through essence afterwards wow um i agnes camock oh my god yes we love agnes yes one of the talented stylists in the business and she took a little time off to help her family in this language generation her older sister jean who's an incredible trailblazer jean griffith who became the no one knew how many people knew that the creative director of W is a black woman. Wait, what? Yes. She was an art director and then she rose to, I think it was vice president and creative director. They loved her there. No. Was this during the Alex White days too? Like, was this during the Alex White days or was this? I think Jean was still there when, Alex came. That I is think wild. Not hundred percent sure because Essence then hired Jean away. Okay, but Jean okay. had been there like twenty years. Jean worked at Fairchild like twenty years at least. Oh my goodness! Yes. Um, That's so wild. Was, yeah, Darlene Gillard Jones. We love Darlene. We love yes, Darlene. we know you they have the show with her. Love yes, that. we have the IG <laughs> together, and Darlene also someone who did two careers, but has never, you know, such a fashion girl. She yes. never totally left it. But, you know, Darlene went on to work at L. I took oh her God. with me to L and then she stayed there and rose up through the ranks and she yeah. went to Essence. And there's another, I don't know if it was O or Mirabella, where she worked with Adam, who's now Oprah's right hand. Oh, that's wild. Um, yes, but, but but I mean, Adam's white, but I'm just saying she, I'm trying to remember if Darlene worked with, where she worked with Adam. Yeah, Adam's fun. <laughs> we yeah, love Adam. <laughs> we love Adam. And just for the listeners, I he's love white. It. He's <laughs> white. He is very white. But he's, he's an honorary he's very black. Fun. He's very white. <laughs> he's so much fun. <laughs> he's been Oprah's right hand forever. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, my You know, but these are people who were, and I'm just naming some of the people, some yeah. of the names you wouldn't know anyway, but they were, you know, there and import, played important roles and others, you know, not remember everyone who was there wow. who went through there Tracy and I remember like first names too so so that you know we would we were amidst you know obviously majority white mm. and a very sort of Anglo approach you know because of course it was like John Fairchild's sensibility mm. right so very New England covering all the socialites yes yeah, because mm-hmm. remember the reason one of the reasons W was started is because people loved the women's wear coverage of the socialites. 
Interesting. So one of the things they did is, oh, you know, we could sort of incorporate this into a magazine and go up against Vogue and so on. So <gasps> it was an that. important, mm-hmm, it was an important part of the coverage. And, you know, we were in it. And so, you know, we try to, we try to band together and we try to bring the sensibility and coverage to the pages mm-hmm. of women's wear. If I was out in the market, um, as I said, Agnes Camock is an incredible stylist. Yes. So if I saw a talented black designer of which there weren't a ton of them, but I mean, a ton of black designers, period. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> when I came across a talented black designer, I'd make sure to try and get them into the pages and I'd call Agnes and say, you know, can you come and oversee the shoot? Wow. You know, the point being to make sure that it's good when it goes into the paper. You know, I could oversee shoots myself and and did, but when Agnes did it, she took it up another notch. Oh my God. I love Agnes so much. I just have to tell you when I was a young girl, this is like before like the internet really started doing its thing. I had to like research yeah. who everyone was. Like I was like pulling oh. names out and pages. Oh, you're so smart. And I yeah. think I like sent a letter to Agnes. Like, I just want to be your intern type of like, <laughs> right. like, I love your work. I love what you did with this and that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I got older and, you know, started working in fashion. And it's crazy. When I was in the fashion office at Lord & Taylor, Agnes came to pull. And I was oh. like, oh, my God, you guys, Agnes. Is coming. <laughs> like, and they were like, girl, like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, this is like the Agnes, you know, like the Agnes. And, you know, these white folks were just like, what is Kirsten tripping over? But like she came in and was like, oh, my God, Agnes, you're here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> It was such a yes, major moment. <laughs> like one one example of what I'm yes. talking about in, in, in the <laughs> specifics is I remember you'll love this. I'm going to tell it very quickly. I one day I'm sitting at my desk and I get a call and I'm telling it by way of to mention a moment in history, fashion history, black fashion history too. I get a call. I'm sitting at my desk at Women's Wear Daily and I get a call pick up the phone and the person says hi is this miss constance white like, <laughs> who is this let's say miss is it miss constance white okay um i said yes i said okay this is spike lee i'm like yeah okay and whatever uh-huh what uh, what else no this is spike lee i'm like yeah 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 um so i hear that you're the person i should call and I want to, to tell you about something. Um, I'm like, okay, Spike Lee. Because <laughs> this is like, not only is it like Spike Lee now, this is like, um, I don't say, oh, th- this is kind of like, hi, this is Ava DuVernay. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. Ex- except that now we have Ava, we have Shonda, we have Spike. And then you only had like, what, Spike and maybe John Singleton or something? So yeah. it's like really at the height of like mania, right? Do the wow. right thing, mania, whatever it was. So I'm like, uh-huh. You know, just listening <laughs> like, oh, this is making my day. This is funny. Like, uh-huh, yes. Yeah, so you want to do what? Tell me about what? So when I meet with you, I'm going to tell you. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, Spike Lee. <laughs> so what <laughs> do you, so what are you doing this evening after work? So I'm like, what? Now, now I'm married. <laughs> Too. So I was like, okay. Um, we go, do you drink beer? You know, go and get a beer. So let me just tell you, I am so not that girl. Mm-hmm. Like, shall we go and get a beer? Yeah. I don't care, even if it was, you know, president of Calvin Klein. Let I'm not that yeah. person, right? Yeah. I'm either we're gonna go have some tea or we're gonna go have some champagne. Yes. But go and get a beer. And no. And so it's like, going to go with a beer. So at that point, I'm like, ah, no. And not only I don't have time, but I would never make time to go and have a beer with you. I don't think you <laughs> Okay. Bye-bye. All right. I love it. So, you know, the end of the story is that it really was Spike Lee. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was he himself. Right? Oh, like no. He himself. 
So oh my thing, goodness. Right? So that's the memoir story. But the history story is he was calling because he was launching a fashion line. Oh my God. And that was like huge. That was front page news because he was so freaking hot. Yeah. And and so that's a situation where I was like, Agnes, <laughs> it really was Spike Lee. And I'm talking to him and I'm now speaking to his president of his company. So this is how I really know it's him. Cause then the oh president came on and we talked, we met. I'm like, and the president is Jeffrey Tweedy. More oh, history. Really? Yes, this is Jeffrey Tweedy. That is wild. And I'm like, so it's real. This person was a fake and we're going to yeah. do a shoot and you have to come and supervise the shoot because this is like, we can't mess up, you know, F up. Wow. Spike, no. fashion line. No. Mm. No, and it can't be simple. You know, it's got the F up meaning, you know, I wouldn't make it a mess, but it would be right. simple. Yeah, right? but it needed to be special, and so that it was such a beautiful shoot. Oh my oh god! My and of god. course, it was on the front page. Not only because it was beautiful, but it was news. It was all over the country. Everyone picked it up wow. from where. And so the real history there is Spike Lee was one of the first, probably the first celebrity of the mm -hmm. hip hop era to do a hip hop collection, wow. and everyone came after that. Puffy came after that and took and we took Jeff to with think, them. <laughs> yeah, we tend to think it was you know like Sean John first, but then Jeffrey, yeah. um, Puffy stole away Jeffrey. Yep, and he went and launched Sean John. You oh know, and Jay Z launched Rockaware, and you know then it all. Russell launched Fat Farm. You know they all were you know knew each other and were friends, and they were all like inspired by Spike. I didn't know Spike Lee had a line. Mm -hmm. Women and men. And wow. it was cool too. The wow. women's was nice too. Wow. I will be digging up those pictures. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> those are great pictures actually. Yes. Those are great pictures. Oh my God. Uh, you have stories for days. I love it so much. You know, I have to ask you, what makes a great journalist? Um, I think a great journalist, you have to a few things, maybe three mm -hmm. or four at most. Mm -hmm. I think for great, you have to be fear fearless is one mm -hmm. of the four or so things. And by that, I mean, not that you truly, you know, can't have fear because I have fear. We all have fear. Yeah. Uh, but you've, you either you A, don't have it or B, you learn how to subjugate it and control it because I think the idea of going and getting a good story, whether that's from hardworking research or hardworking, you know, research where you're pouring through papers and books and so on, or in the internet for that matter now, or research you're going to speak with people, mm -hmm. you have to have a certain amount of fearlessness or know how to manage that. Love that. You know, when I went over, I was at a show and I saw Camilla Parker Bowles when she was still Camilla Parker Bowles and didn't have a title and, you know, wasn't married to Charles and, and was, you know, wouldn't really speak to many people. Mm -hmm. And I saw her and I walked over to her and got, you know, one of the biggest scoops of that day or week wow. for the New York times. Cause I spoke to her wow. and, you know, my heart was in my mouth Wow. But she spoke to me. I spoke to her and she spoke back. Wow. So I think you have to be. And then in terms of if it's not that kind of situation, then you it's the fearlessness, too, that's needed to pour through papers and pour through knowing that you are doing something valuable. You really want to find out the information. Mm. Right. The tr It might sound you know, a bit melodramatic to say the truth when it comes to fashion, but whatever it is, your beat is, yes. right? You want to pour through and you don't know where it's going to end because you can spend eight hours and never, you know, pouring through papers and not come up reading because it could be papers. Again, it could be digital. You know, you can spend eight hours reading and it doesn't amount to anything or wow. you get one little iota of information and that can be daunting to some people. They may not have the stomach for that. Yeah. Right. But, but you do have to, if you're going to be, 
you know, a great journalist and do, do your best. So that's number one. Number two, I think you have to master the fundamentals. Mm. And, and that is a, an issue as every journalist who straddles both new journalism and legacy journalism is aware. <laughs> you know, you sort of look at like, hello, don't you understand that it's important to spell something correctly and to go through <laughs> it again to make sure it's spelled exactly. correctly? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So like, true. Good it Lord. matters that this, you know, sentence does not have a subject and a predicate or a subject and a verb or something like <laughs> It matters. So I think you want to get your fundamentals right. It matters that your story only makes half sense. Wow. Because you've not learned to have the reader serve, right? You're serving the reader. The reader needs to be served. The consumer, let's hear broadcast journalist, um, two, you know, needs to be served. You got to have that person front and center. So what, you have written or said, let's say if it's in broadcast or radio, podcast for that matter, um, you know, what you've said has to make sense, not just to you, but to the person who's consuming it, to the audience. And does it pass that test? You know, a lot of times that we can get into a situation where it doesn't. Yeah, it sounds cute to me and my five friends. <laughs> right. Right. Or the the people in the fashion bubble, mm-hmm. like, girl, you were killing. You know, mm-hmm. when you said that, I saw your hand on your hip. Well, no one outside of the three of you understood. Wow. That is so inside baseball that the general reader is cute. It's a great point, great story, great turn of phrase. But have you made your point? Is it clear to the reader? So I think those... The, those basics are important. And, and then I think the third or fourth is curiosity. Mm. I find that most really good journalists have a curiosity. But, you know, I want to find out. I want to find out what the truth is or I want to find out what is interesting and important. I don't agree with what Katie Couric did with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm, um yeah you're either you're a journalist or you're not because the we ask the public to trust us as journalists yes we're human beings but we're asking you know in the same way you ask your plumber your hairdresser your accountant to do a certain job and do it to the best of their ability and not you know you don't want your accountant saying oh because i'm a whiz at math I actually made your taxes wrong or I made two and two equal five. You're like, I'm not paying you for that. I'm paying (laughs) you to tell me what two and two equals. Yeah. If I don't know, I happen to know what equals four. But if I don't know what it equals, I'm paying you to that. Not, you know, I don't think we're paying journalists to protect people by changing what they said or keeping back what they said you know, that not deliberately, you know, sometimes you can omit because of course you can't print everything. Yeah. Regardless of what the New York Times said, not everything is fit to print (laughs) or they say everything is Uh. fit to print. Like maybe the opposite, I mean, I'm subverting what they said, but you know, you, I don't think you should ever deliberately say I'm protecting, you know, this person or this entity and therefore Wow. I'm not going to report on everything I said, even though I know it's important. Mm-hmm. Cause that was the, that was the wow. thing too. She made the assessment that this is so important or this woman is so important to this topic that if it goes out there, it could cause a kerfuffle or harm yeah. her in some way. Yeah. It's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a big girl or was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, Love that woman. <laughs> yeah, let the chips fall where they may. She said what she said. She said what she said. I love it. I love it. Um, Constance, or should I say Professor White? Because I am learning. <laughs> 
I was like, let me write down these notes real quick. I don't know if you've ever considered <laughs> being a, a professor, you know, or, or adjunct of some sort, but these gems so that I'll you're dropping. Two things to that. One is I do teach a workshop mm-hmm. at the um, CUNY Graduate School of Journalism on fashion reporting. A two day, I think it's like, it's, I forget what it is, like two days, two weeks, I'm not sure, but I teach a workshop there. I love that. And two, yes, I've considered being a teacher, professor, whatever it's mm-hmm. called, adjunct. I would consider doing that. Yay! Um, you know, Harvard has a now. great, they have a great fellowship program and they also have a journalism <laughs> program, Harvard, Harvard <laughs> Extension School. I'm sure they would love you just putting it out there. <laughs> I love it. So I'm Thank listening you. to you. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, I want a whole class. I want more than, you know, this hour that we've had because you're just full of gems and I'm learning so much. So I hope you listeners are also learning. But, you know, we're running out of time, which I hate, but I have to ask you, you know, you shared a few good ones, but we always ask all of our guests, please share one of your, one of them, one of your favorite fashion moments of all time. It could be personal, professional, or both, or something you witness that just really felt like, oh my God, like, I love this. Like, I love fashion. I'm just like beyond the moon to be here right now. Something pure, purely magical. Oh my God. So oh, many, you, I'm sure. You're painful, right? I, I know. I'm thinking like when she Last said, week. when Kristen said one, <laughs> one thing, was she directing one. that at me? Like, <laughs> Just pick one out of, out of the bucket, you know, one of, okay. or, you know, out of the basket. All right. I'm going to cheat a little bit, but still do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to say one, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say two, but I'm going to say it like it's one. So when I saw Nicholas Gisquier at first be sort of revealed, if you will, at Balenciaga, I knew that I, and I felt, because you asked me about that feeling of witnessing the emergence of something special. Wow. And it was similar to when I was going to my local bagel shop. It was early in the morning (laughs) and there was a woman standing there. She must have been, you know, she was slim. Mm -hmm. She was a slim woman. Not particularly tall. She might have been about five, six. Mm-hmm. She had a cigarette between her fingers. I'm not promoting smoking. Mm-hmm. She was wearing a pink dress, a slingback roach toe shoes <gasps> with a leopard coat. <gasps> and she was just standing there, this black woman with short hair a a local bagel shop just I don't know what she was doing there (laughs) but it was like to me that is like a full circle fashion moment Uh, Uh, because they're the same they're one in the same thing of what fashion can do Mm. and what it is and and for me it's like you can do a straight through line from that woman as just sort of in this ordinary place, Uh, you know, one morning out of the blue to the most rarefied like Parisian runway with one of the most talented designers working today with all the resources at his disposal. Wow. It's just, you know, that's why we do fashion and love fashion. (laughs) Uh, Well, we love you, Constance. And I thank you so much for being on the show. Like you're in my mind, you're a part of like the journalism trifecta. You know, it's like you, Terry Agans, (laughs) Robin Givon, you know, like you guys are the trifecta. (laughs) I'm honored to be be in their company at the trifecta. 
I love it so much. Thank you so much, Constance. And obviously you are always welcome back anytime, you know, whenever you drop that new book, you know, everyone go out and get the book. She, what, what is it called? Um, how to slay how to slay yes and and she she has a great interview with the breakfast club i watched that and i was like oh my goodness they are too hilarious (laughs) funny he was the most hilarious the best like fashion interview ever i'll never forget his like i dreamt i would beyonce last night exactly "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) i love it so much well thank you again for being on the show thank you kristen this has been fun Thanks so much for joining me for this week of a fashion moment. If you like what you hear, we'd love for you to join our community of listeners and spread the word about the show. We also want to hear from you. Share your favorite fashion moments and dream guests with us by sending an audio clip or email to a fashion moment podcast at gmail.com. Or you can tag us on Instagram at a fashion moment and you could be featured on next week's episode. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and let us know what you think. Until then, see you next time for another fashion moment. Podcast production by Rebecca Rashid and John Taylor Williams. Digital media production by Megan Porras. This recording carries a Creative Commons 4.0 international license. Thanks to Patrick Patrickios for their song, Hot Coffee.